What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Over Six Sports Podcast. I am your host, Zach the Bandenberg, and with me, as always, is the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. What is going on, Cam? Just another week in the world of sports. Montreal finally making some changes, much needed. Uh, another good week of football. Another Miami Dolphins win. Are they in playoff contention? I yes. Guess maybe. If the, if the Washington think, football team is in the seventh seed, Miami is definitely in playoff contention. No, it's the wrong conference. Yeah, NFC, I, there's like yeah, I'm aware. everybody is except for Detroit. I know. I, there's well, this is why I was teams saying. Of, Ten teams it. have losing records in the NFC, four in the AFC. I get it. I so, get it. I get it. It's a different conversation. It is. But it, but it is more of a, 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 a social commentary on the fact that I said that the NFC is a dumpster fire of, of teams. Like... Um, you put Miami in the NFC, and we're not only—we're not even the seventh seed. We're like the sixth seed. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's—it's it's been good for Miami. They've won four in a row. We can get to that a little bit later. Uh, did you want to start with? Um, did you want to start with with the Montreal Canadiens and and the changes that happened uh, since we talked last week? Yeah, we can talk about the changes here. Uh, basically, everyone was fired. No, uh, Scott <laughs> Mellonby resigned after it was. It was known that uh, he wasn't going to get the general manager job at the end of the year. In s- subsequenting moves there, they fired Mark Bergevin. Trevor Timmons is gone as their head of scouting. All assistant general managers are gone. And they brought in Jeff Gordon, who is one of the highest, best guys as their VP of hockey ops. He was huge for the Rangers, huge for the Bruins. He's made some of the best trades in the last 10 years. And it's big for Montreal to finally bring in the best person available. Because Jeff Gordon isn't bilingual, which is something that you need to be to be a GM or coach. Montreal's kind of avoiding it here with having him come in as the VP of Hockey Ops. And it's exciting. Like, Montreal still has a really young core. They have leading scorers in the the top two leading scorers in the QMJHL. They just had two players named Team Canada's World Junior thing. One who has a good chance to be their captain in Caden Gooley. Like, they still got a lot of young pieces. But this is the time to reset the organization. And there were some good moves here. And there's going to be a lot of talk on who comes in, and there's a lot of good options. So it's it's super exciting. It's a down year, but again, they got the draft in Montreal this year, and they have a lot of picks. So it's super exciting. It is wild that not only like as a as a franchise and as a as a team, you're handcuffed by the fact that you have to hire somebody who can speak French. Like almost any other team in the league, you can hire really anybody that you want. But in Montreal, they're like, yeah, if you don't speak French, you can't be the head of this, or you know, you can't be head coach, can't be the head of the team, and it's a little bit of a little bit of a handcuff, a little bit of a of a hindrance, I would think. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a handcuff, but it makes sense. Any job in Quebec, any high job at any company, you need to be bilingual. The amount you have to, you're talking to the media in French more than you're probably talking to them to English a lot of the time. So you do need somebody who can do it both. How much it is a handcuff, it does make sense. All these people who, oh, they need to get away from it. No, you need somebody to be able to speak to the media on a regular basis. You're in a place where English is the second language. So it's nice that they've kind of got around this a little bit by bringing in Jeff Gordon as the VP of Hockey Ops. And it sounds like from everything we're hearing, it's going to be a younger person and a newer person to come in as the GM who really, I'd say it's going to be somebody who can bring a lot to the table, but they probably ultimately won't be making a lot of the decisions. It will be Gordon. We're hearing a lot of things like Daniel Briere, who would be somebody who future looks bright to be like a general manager in the NHL. But right now it'd be a lot of learning from Gordon and having him kind of redo the organization. 
I think the biggest thing is now you have somebody who's going to oversee scouting, who's been a great scout, made some unbelievable picks and trades in Gordon. And that's been something that Montreal struggled with. They've had three top 10 picks in the last 10 years. None of those players are playing on their current roster. So they've had a lot of issues that way. They've made some better picks now. Like Cole Coffey looks like a great pick where they got him in the draft. Ryan Paling's turning into an NHL player and Caden Gooley. There's some that are starting to look good, but overall it hasn't been good. So I think that's now what turned into a huge weakness in the organization can now be a massive strength, which is big. Well, that's huge. And I mean, as you said, the Habs are in a bit of a down year this year and you know, what better time to reset. And, you know, there was a speculation that Bergevin was, you know, going to get extended after that cup run, but obviously they, uh, they had had enough with them uh, of him. I mean, it was nice to hear the Habs players kind of like Gallagher kind of talk about his relationship with Mark Bergevin just saying like, he always treated him like family. And, um, you know, it's, it is nice to hear that from, from players, um, as opposed to, you know, when Mike Babcock leaves all the players, like, I hated that guy, right? I mean, Bergevin got a lot of flack on the outside. Um, so to kind of have the, the, the players saying, yeah, you know, treated me like family, gave me a chance, uh, as Gallagher said, is, you know, I thought I thought that was nice to hear for, for him, I guess. Yeah, no, Mark Bergevin is a great player's general manager, and he did some great moves too. He had some really questionable moves. He did some great moves, but I think his time had just run out with the organization. Like you look at a move like the Pacioretty for Tatar Suzuki and a pick. That's a that's a great a great move he's made, and he did a lot of that. And he was always there for the players. You saw last year during the Stanley Cup run, like to the finals, how much he was involved with the players, celebrating the embraces. Like it's not nothing against Mark Bergevin. It was just his time's done, and there's a lot of other places that they need to fix in the organization. Well, let's get into a, another team. We were chatting a little bit off. Uh off the pod about um, about the counterpart, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who just keep winning games. The Leafs just cannot seem to lose right now. Uh, they're playing. Uh, they got a couple days off after their West Coast swing where they won all the games, had a great time. I'm sure it was a green light special uh, after their last game on the weekend, no doubt about it. Um, we were talking about them playing defense, and you had a comment about them playing defense. Yeah, we hear this every year that the Leafs are finally learning how to play defense. It's been like three straight years we hear this in the regular season because they go through massive runs where they're playing really good defense. Scoring chances are way down. They do all of that. But then they just stop doing it. And it's not like last year they didn't know how to play defense. Even in the playoffs, they played pretty decent defense. It's just the players they need to step up don't when the going gets tough. So to me, like the regular season means zero for these Leafs. People who are planning the parade again or talking about them, oh, they need to be Stanley Cup favorites again. We do this every year with the Leafs. The regular season means nothing. They're making the playoffs. It's what do they do when they get there? Can they carry it over? And it's not defense that got them in trouble last year. It was the scoring disappearing. So I don't know why everyone's going so high again, but this is just typical Leafs land really is it's get high again, play on the parade, and then get disappointed in playoffs. Well, and unfortunately, um, you're right. I mean, what matter? Uh, you're right in the sense where they do it every year. I would argue that. I think they're playing defensive hockey a little bit better because they actually are playing good offensive hockey at the same time where just on the transition they've been good. They're not playing run and gun. I thought last year, to start the year, I mean, every game you pretty much could bet the over on the Leafs. Um 
you know, because they, they were they were winning games and it was like nine goal, ten goal games. Um, but uh, I would say that yeah, like I mean, you do have to prove it in the playoffs. Unfortunately, uh, the playoffs are another five months away. So yeah, I mean, I, I also agree. I think they're going to get there. But the real question is, and, and I mean, I'm not on the planning the parade side. I also said this like if you go back and listen to our podcast from a month and a half ago when they had lost, like right at the start of the season, they had lost. They were like two, three, and one. And the sky was falling and this guy needed to be traded and Dubas needed to be fired and Keith needed to be fired. And I was like, everybody just needs to settle down and chill. And then they went on a huge run, which they're still on. And so, I, you know, I'm not on the doom and gloom side either. But if they get past the first round, that's the real question. Because, like, it's it's one of those things where we actually don't know what could happen. Like, if they get past the first round or if they cut favorites, I don't know. I mean, I said last year, I thought they you know, should, should win the North and get into the conference final. And they didn't. And I think if they would have beat Montreal, I had no doubt that they would have been there. Um, but coulda, shoulda, woulda. It's, uh, I mean, you're right. It, 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 this is a constant on a year to year basis, but it is better than them regressing in a sense where they came out flat and, you know, would be sitting yeah, I five think- and 15 right now. I think there was some worry there, mainly because you've seen teams in the past go through something heartbreaking, like what happened to them in round one last year, and they just can't get it together the next year. And at times, there's been players on this Leafs team that have seen fragile. So could it have gone that way? It, I think it easily could have. It's nice to see them bounce back, and that's a huge positive. The thing you got to worry about, if the playoffs start tomorrow, you know who they play in the first round right now, right? Boston? Tampa Bay Lightning. Ooh, don't like that. <laughs> back to back. Yeah. Two-time Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning, who will get Nikita Kucherov back for playoffs. Oh, again, of course, of course, of course. So who? Let's see who else they add at the deadline. So, yeah, it's not even like sure. Toronto's playing really good hockey. They're second in the division right now, and if Tampa wins their two games at hand, they're only one point up on Tampa. So they're playing good hockey, but there's a lot of other teams playing good hockey as well. And for these teams, regular season for Tampa means nothing. The regular season for Toronto shouldn't mean anything either. It should be playoffs, so I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get there. Last thing I want to say just on the Leafs is I do think that, the, you know, the loss of Zach Hyman, I definitely thought that was going to be, um, you know, impactful, which I think it has been, but I do feel um, like the guys that they added in, in Andre Kasha, uh, David Kampf, um, Mike Bunting, like I think that they filled the gaps nicely with what they've, you know, with the room that they've had, and these guys have seemed to fit in on the team nicely. And then the last thing, uh, is your big boys are playing like big boys. And we talked about this too, right? So that's where you got to make sure, as you said, they got to carry on to the playoffs. Um, you want to touch on the wraps quick? To be honest, I haven't even been paying attention much. It hasn't been going well, but uh, it's still an exciting team and an exciting year, but uh, I don't really have too much to touch on them at the moment. Hasn't been going well. I, I would say that I have watched a little bit. Um, it's been really up and down and like, they, they play really well defensively some possessions and other possessions they play horrible, which I think is to be expected with a young team who's kind of resetting. You've also been plagued by a ton of injuries. I mean, OG's been out for uh, a while with a hip issue, and Scotty's not 100%. Uh, I did just want to touch on uh, one Scotty quote that I did hear, and basically it was, um, moving forward, everything you, on this team should be revolving around Scotty Barnes. Who you bring in, who you send out, um, the makeup of this team should be moving forward from this year on be centered around Scotty Barnes because uh, there's multiple people 
in the NBA who believe that Scotty Barnes is a future superstar. And I tend to agree with that. I mean, if you have a young guy like he is and what he's shown in his rookie campaign, man, you do got to rally around this kid. And if that means, um, and I'm only just throwing out a name just because, but like, let's just say a guy like Pascal Siakam, it didn't fit with the, the Scotty Barnes style of play. Could he get sent away? Possibly. Um, could other guys on the wraps that you like? I mean, OG, I don't think is going anywhere. Um, but could guys like, you know, as I said, could guys like Siakam, could you, um, you know, could you, I mean, the other than that, I mean, you really got P- Siakam, Trent, uh, OG, Scotty now, and uh, Fred Van Vliet. Like, that's really all you got, right? Yeah, to me, Pascal's the one that watching a little bit this year and seeing everything around, it doesn't seem to be working 100%. So, I don't know what you do there. The OG, Freddie, Scotty Barnes thing, that seems to be working really well. But Pascal and Scotty are two guys who kind of want the ball, especially in big moments. And to me, Scotty's just the higher potential here. He's, this guy looks like a true star this early in his career. And Pascal's just been so up and down in his career so far that I think he can be a great like, additional piece to a really good team. But I don't think he can be the star. So to me, yeah, I think you do go forward. Watching everything I've seen from Scotty Barnes, he's a centerpiece of this franchise for years now. He's going to be the guy leading this team. And that's where I see a year like this where it's up and down. Scotty Barnes looks really good. I'm like, can we sneak another top five pick? Get one more really good piece to go with Scotty Barnes. OG's still young. Fred's still pretty young. Can we move off some of these guys like Trent and Siakam? Can we get something for them? and really start moving forward to building this team around an OG and Scotty, I think it'd be super exciting. Well, not only that, like we're not, I'm not saying that Pascal's a bum, by the way, like you, like you can't extrapolate that. I think Gary Trent Jr. is an excellent player. I think Pascal's an excellent player as well, but like just because you have excellent players doesn't necessarily mean, as we've just said, that the scheme or the overall vibe of the team is going to work. And as you said, if you can, if you can move these guys, which they would bring, I would think a hefty, uh, you know, a hefty um, amount of picks or whatever back to you. Um, yeah, like absolutely. If if the right opportunity comes and you can pick up a top five pick, absolutely uh, do so. Uh, what else um, should we get to? Is there anything else headlines wise you want to you want to get to? Because I know that you know football season's not quite coming to an end. We got a bit more of it. We will kind of get into more of the, the 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 NBA, the NHL as football season dies down. Uh, but we still got uh, a month and a half left of regular season. So, yeah, I mean, just the last thing that came out this week was just everything with Tiger Woods. We saw him swinging a golf club last week, and we touched on it. And just the, him having a press conference and finally talking about some of it. Amputation was on the table. It didn't happen. And uh, we kind of know he'll never, as he said, he'll never get back to golf full time. But he is seems optimistic and positive that he will play in a few events a year. You know the Masters is going to be one of them. You know he's going to be playing in a bunch of the majors still if he can get back to that, and he seems optimistic he can. So that's still super exciting. A guy who, when the crash happened, nobody knew it was going to happen. He admitted amputation was on the table. And to now have Tiger where seems optimistic he'll be playing in the Masters one of these years and kind of be back to playing a few events a year is exciting. The golf world of golf is just better with Tiger Woods in it and there's no doubt in my mind about that. Well, and I would say that the tournaments that he's going to play would be the Masters, probably the U.S. Open. And I would not be surprised if he was one some way involved with the Ryder Cup on a regular basis as well. 
um, whether it's team captain, whether it's assistant captain, whatever the deal is, I would assume that he would want to be involved with that. Um, you know, Olympic teams as a coach, things like that. I mean, he's definitely going to be around the game. Um, I don't think you're going to see him play like, you know, whatever Dubai open or the, or whatever. Like, I think it's going to be, as you said, very picky and choosy. Uh, but let's be honest here. Everybody on TV and everybody in golf wants to watch him in the majors. That's the most exciting Tiger Woods time anyway. So here was the rumor that I was hearing. I don't think, judging from his, the way he was talking, I don't know if it's going to happen. So there's almost no doubt April, he's not going to be ready to play in the Masters. The other big tournament this year that stands out is it's the 150th Open at St. Andrews, the home of golf. That is one that people are circling as prob- as a one that they see Tiger Woods coming back and playing in. That could be a ton of fun. That would be, yeah. That would that would be interesting. I mean, that gives him seven months still. He's swinging a golf club already. This guy has the best doctors, the best physio, best rehab he wants. Seven months to get ready for the 150th Open at St Andrews. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's possibility. I still I still think there's a chance he whips it around at the Masters. It wouldn't shock me if he's there. Maybe he does something with the first tee shot with some of those guys. Now that Lee Elder. Uh, passed away I think maybe everything with Tiger maybe he's there for that but yeah I just think Tiger might show up I just can't see him playing I think April's too soon but July 150th open at St. Andrews is kind of a date that a lot of insiders and a lot of people are circling well what what, okay let let me just float this by what if he showed up to the Masters and he just hacked the ball around the golf course a little bit like they like you know he shot like 30 over through the first two rounds didn't make the cut but just went out there like you know just went out there just to just to play around you know he's going to get interviews you know he's going to have some fun doing it you don't think he's just even going to try to give it just a little shot you know he's not going to win not even going to compete but like just go out and, and have some fun i don't think so i think if anything like the only event that i think he have fun is is that pnc championship when he gets to play with charlie for me i don't think he's going to go to the masters or any pga event or any major, if he doesn't think he can at least somewhat compete. So if he thinks he's going to be like that, where he's going to be like some of those really old guys who are out there and play in seven hours and make a mess of it, I don't think Tiger's going to do that. I think he's only going to play in the Masters if he thinks he can somewhat compete and at least make the cut. So he's just too competitive, and that's the way he's always been. So I just don't see it. Does – um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could it, – yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I guess we're, you know, I guess we're going to find out, I suppose. But does he have like a, a a green pass or an exemption on any golf tournament that he wants for the rest of his life? Yeah. I mean, he's exempt for like 10 years on the PGA tour or whatever. Masters open, I think basically forever. Some of them have changed. I can't remember what major changed where it's not automatic forever. You have to, it's only years and you have to compete or something, but I mean, there will be sponsor exemptions for him for the rest of his life if he wants to, as long as he can somewhat compete. So I don't think he's ever worried about that. Nobody's going to turn Tiger Woods coming to their tournament. No, I was going to say, like, if he just dials up anybody and is like, hey, I want to play, they're not going to say no. The TV ratings would be through the roof. Well, it was even last year because Phil Mickelson's still missing the U.S. Open. He's won the other three majors. He still can't win the U.S. Open. Before he won the PGA last year, they were going to give him an exemption to play in it, even though he wasn't going to qualify. So, I mean, 
Tiger is on a whole different oh, level. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a completely different Any level. tournament Tiger wants to play in, if he's somewhat competitive, it's like, yeah, okay, you're in. Ha- Hacker's golf tournament, our golf tournament, he's more than welcome. Um, Going to have to, you know, compete with us, but uh, it is what it is. All right, you want to get ready to get into the recap from uh, from week 12? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Another mediocre week of the uh, over six NFL picks for the Bandit. A uh, good week for the Surf King. A wild week overall. Again, the books just keep winning. The sharps keep losing. It's been a struggle. Um, before we get to the recap, I just I have a statement that I've prepared for. Uh, for, for all of our listeners, I'm just going to read this out, okay? All right, here we go. I don't have any words, and I know you don't want to hear them. I understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness, and everything you're feeling. I get it. This wasn't the week that I imagined or the last couple weeks that I imagined, and certainly not the one I wanted, but thank you for being there the entire way. I may have ripped that off the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it definitely <laughs> rings true. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got, I, I'm speechless. I got nothing to say. <laughs> Neither do I. But I figured that I owed the audience uh, that that lovely uh, a, a statement, which obviously I wrote all myself and did not steal from anybody. Uh, let's get into the Thanksgiving games. We had a pretty good Thursday. I'm not going to lie. I, I do feel like we deserve to go 3-0. and Yeah, I agree. So working on the first game, we had Chicago heading to Detroit. Chicago was favored by three. Detroit is horrible on Thanksgiving. They're still bad on Thanksgiving, but they got the cover. 16-14. This was just a horrible foot game, football game. Matt Nagy should have been able to get the cover here, and he didn't. So Matt just Nagy a game. should be fired. Chicago had the ball like on the 50, like midfield 50 yard line, 45 yard line with six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And they didn't cover like what an absolute joke. That is, they had multiple opportunities to get that into the end zone and they just absolutely refused. And they couldn't have made it so much easier on themselves. And they're like, well, you know, like, you really want to run out the clock and make sure the other team doesn't have a chance to get the ball. Dude, it's the Detroit Lions. If you score a touchdown, the game's over. They're not going to do anything. Uh, yeah, this is just another one of those games where you're like, the NFL is rigged. <laughs> I mean, there definitely is something to be said. Yeah, on this one, no doubt. But anyway, it was. I don't have much to, to dive into here, too. As I said, I think Chicago still should have covered. I thought Andy Dalton looked pretty good. Uh, and yeah. Jared Goff sucks. <laughs> Moving into the second game, we had the Vegas Raiders heading to Dallas. Dallas favored by seven and a half. We were both on Vegas here. We thought it was too many points. Not only was it too many points, the Raiders pull off the win in overtime, 36-33. And as a Thanksgiving tradition as it gets, Deshaun Jackson gets a touchdown against the NFC East. Shout out, SGP calling Deshaun Jackson first touchdown at 40-1. Uh, to Love to see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, we were all over this one. And considering, too, that I usually take the Cowboys to cover because they've been covering machines this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, Vegas definitely played better coming off the week before. They didn't play as well. And 
I mean, they tried to give it away near the end. They they tried they tried everything in their power to not win this game, but they ended up winning this game. And and uh, yeah, I mean, Dallas is Dallas is slipping. Dallas, I mean, Zeke being hurt. Obviously, he's not 100, percent but I don't know. They've lost three of their last four now, and their only win was against Atlanta. So they've lost to teams like Vegas and Denver, who we're really not sure about either. So I think the Cowboys are not as good as they appeared early in the year. I mean, nobody is really that good in the NFL this year, it seems. But they're definitely in this whole mix of, instead of being, what, 6-1, and one, they're definitely in this whole mix of we're really not sure what they are anymore, I think now. They're definitely not one of these elite teams. Which is basically every team in the NFL right now. Uh, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, especially in the NFC, which is, yeah. Yeah, well, like I'd give, we got to give Arizona some credit, and I think you still give Tampa Bay some credit just because they're Tampa Bay, but everyone else, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you are. I'll definitely give Arizona some credit because they're winning with Colt McCoy, which is nuts. Um, the final game on Thursday, we, again, was exactly what we thought would happen. Yeah, moving along, we had the Bills going to the Saints. Bills were favored by six, and they went 31-6. to six. Trevor Simeon is just so bad. And he went, that was his last start. Uh, Taysom Hill will go this week on Thursday night against the Cowboys. So Trevor Simeon just couldn't get it done. I was watching some of the stats during the game, and his like average drop back is like 12 yards. Whoa. Like He moves the pocket 12 yards and just puts so much pressure on his offensive tackles because now they're having to defend that far back. <laughs> it's just he's not good. I mean, they've been a mess too. They had no Ingram, no Kamara. Uh, they really don't have any good receivers. So you're missing that entire offense, which you think you had. You had no Jameis Winston, no Kamara, no Ingram, no Michael Thomas. Like, it's a different team, but Buffalo played well here. Yeah, and and I, I kind of – I said last week Buffalo minus 10, which turned out yep. to – Turned out to, to worked out well. Um, I was I had full conviction that the Bills were going to take care of business, and they absolutely did. Uh, so we both finished Thursday with a two and one record. Uh, I hit my lock, my Thursday lock. Um, you missed your Thursday lock, and that's about as good as it got for me. It was Thursday. I was really optimistic. I was feeling good, and then Sunday came around. Yeah, I did want to just touch one last thing on that Buffalo-New Orleans game is Josh Allen again. Two more interceptions. I mean, he had four touchdowns, pretty high completion percentage, but another two interceptions. Just something seems off with him this year. Maybe he's just not good. Moving into Sunday, 1 p.m. slate. We had Carolina heading to Miami. Carolina favored by two. Miami takes it to them. 33-10. There's so many ways to go. The so many teams. So many ways to go with this game. Just massive. I mean, this was the 2021 Jalen rookie class game. Jalen Waddle goes off 137 yards, touchdown, showed that yak that we haven't really seen from him this year, that he was so good at college. But he was only the second rated rookie by PFF for their team. Jalen Phillips, three in sacks, four QB hits, nine pressures. He had a really step up game for a first rounder that we hadn't seen from him this year. And I know you love the Jalen Waddle celebration. Oh, so good. I was literally just doing this behind the camera, like just doing this Waddle, which our boy Christian Wilkins told him to do. Uh, Love Christian Wilkins. This guy's like the heartbeat of that, uh, of that team pretty well. Um, Yeah. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. They take the ball from goal to goal. Like no one's ever seen. They also intercept Cam Newton like no one's – wait, no, like everyone's seen because the guy's a bum. 
Sham Newton. And our our friend Nate, our big old Panthers boy, he was around and he was listening. He wanted to hear our take. He hadn't listened to our pod. So I played it for him while we were waiting, tailgating outside for this game. And he was just laughing at my take about how Miami's D is going to expose Cam Newton for the fraud that he is because he's a bum. And what happened? Literally exactly that. Miami's defense completely dominated this game. And uh, the Miami offense, uh, Tua and Waddle, um, were able to convert. They were able to convert on there. And Gaskin had a good game too. They were able to convert on those turnovers, get points on those turnovers, knocked Cam Newton out of the game. Uh, a Panthers fan really loud at the start got really quiet uh, at the end of the first quarter and was silent during the second half. What a game. Miami's won four in a row, moves to five and seven. We are within striking distance of 500. Um, this is the team that I, and I, you know, as I said, this is the team that I thought that they could be if they played like this all year. And by the way, just like to comment that Carolina's pass defense was what the second best rated pass defense in the league. And I mean, you can make an argument to me while they were always in bad field position. Yeah, that's true. Except for good defenses are bend, don't break. And they make, and they get the job done on the goal line in the red zone and Carolina just didn't do it. And the dolphins had a lot of success fins up. I was pumped after that one. Yeah. And this was a game where again, like everything you heard from two of the previous three weeks was, Oh, he did it against the Texans. Oh, he did it against the Jets. Oh, he can't look deep. Has a 65-yarder to Mac Collins in the Jets game. Oh, well, we don't really know about him still. He hasn't faced a good defense. Faces a good pass defense. Throws for well over 80%. I know it didn't have a crazy amount of yardages. And then Gaskin took two of the touchdowns away on the goal line. So the touchdown, he only had one. But he didn't make that massive mistake either. He's the first quarterback or second quarterback ever to go two straight games with 80 plus percentage completions he's now undefeated in november this year basically top five in most qb stats this month like you're hearing from all the Tua doubters positive things everyone's saying again like nobody's saying he's a great quarterback no nobody's saying he's patrick mahomes or what can be a top five quarterback but you're hearing a lot of people saying yeah this guy can be a good nfl quarterback now and that's what we've seen being Miami Dolphins fans. We've seen the flashes of you're like, yeah, sure. He's never going to be a top five quarterback, but could he be pushing that top 10 for sure? He could still be a good NFL quarterback. And he showed it now the last few weeks. He's got to keep it up. We got two more good matchups coming up to try and get back to 500. So let's see it. The Giants actually have an okay defense. Their defense just shut down the Eagles. No problem. And they've showed signs that everyone thought they'd be good before the year. So let's see it again from Tua. Well, and this is the thing, as I'd said, like Tua, like I'm not, as you said, I'm not saying, you're not saying, again, that he's going to blow the lights out. We've seen flashes all year that I think that people commenting really haven't watched them enough and are just looking at stat lines, which I don't think necessarily gives the full picture. And I don't think the stat lines have been that bad. You compare it to a lot of other quarterbacks at the start of their career, and he's really on par with guys like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, like all these guys. And I'm not saying that he's the same quarterback as these guys, but the stats, like if you're going to say his stats are garbage, that he has similar stats to these guys at the start of their career. The fact That's a fact. And I'm, again, I'm not, we're not saying that he is those guys, but we're also not saying that he doesn't have, like I'm not going to discount that he doesn't have the potential to be there because the numbers suggest that it's there. 
And if you can eliminate those big mistakes that we've talked about in the past where you're like, I'm not really sure about him, and it can really shape it up. You And, and again, he's playing with an offense that does not have a lot of their weapons. He doesn't have a deep threat. Like Waddle's not a massive deep threat kind of guy. Right? Like if you're if you're throwing like if you're long as past this he well, if he had somebody else to take that underneath position yeah. or that slant position. But if their longest completion of the year is to a tight end, that's not that 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 says enough to me that you just don't have the amount of weapons. If you had Devontae Parker and you had Matt Collins, Fuller, is, Matt Collins is a wide receiver. And Mac he's yeah, I mean, whatever. He's listed as a tight end, is he not? So no, he's I mean, a wide hey, receiver spy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only like two guys in the league who are actual tight ends. The rest are big wide receivers, as we've talked about too. But if you actually added a couple of these weapons, you've improved the O line, which again, the O line's been playing better. They're they're still young, they're playing better. But if you can really improve that O line, good things to come in Dolphins land. Let's move along to the Atlanta Jacksonville game. Atlanta went to Jacksonville. Atlanta was favored by two. They win this game 21-14. And for the second straight week, you thought the Jacksonville Jaguars would cover. For the second straight week, you were wrong. This auto fade of Urban Meyer, you still haven't figured out. But we talked about this. We said, does Miami deserve to be favorites? No. Uh, and they Atlanta. didn't play. Sorry. Yeah. We got Miami on the brand. I'm so excited. Does Atlanta deserve to be favorite? Miami does deserve to be favorites this coming week. Um, does Atlanta deserve to be favorite? No. What have they shown us? Nothing. And the Jags have won games that maybe they shouldn't have. And they've covered games that maybe they shouldn't have. So I don't, I stand by the take. I mean, it, it was right there for them. Um, I mean, if Atlanta can only muster up 21 points against the Jags, then it's curtains for that, those guys. Although they're still wild card hunting. So I don't even know. Yeah. Moving along. We had the New York Jets heading to Houston. Uh, Houston was favored by two and a half and the Jets win 21, 14. I don't know how we didn't see this. I know we wanted to back Tyrod here, but this was a letdown spot and we should have seen this way earlier. Like they just came off beating the Titans. The Jets have been kind of okay. And as we kind of thought before the year, they could be scrappy. So this was just a huge letdown spot for the Texans and the Jets pulled this one off. Well, and I, I am a little choked because I think the Jags had a great opportunity to go up on the Texans in the in the who can have more wins race, and they didn't get the job done. Um, as I said, I, I don't think that you're allowed when you're as bad of a team as the Texans are and how many games they've lost to have a letdown spot, frankly. I, I just don't think you're allowed to have that. But it was, and the Jets, again, they've had some big wins too, and man, I just, I really thought that Zach Wilson was going to be worse than he was, and he didn't play that good. And but what can, what can you do? I mean, those are those are two where you're, they're almost pickums, both of them. And we and we just got the wrong side. Yeah, moving along, we had Tennessee heading to New England. New England favored by six and a half, and they win it thirty six thirteen, taking it to the Titans. Ryan Tannehill throws for less than a hundred yards, has an interception in the end zone. Ryan Tannehill's not very good, especially with zero weapons. Yeah, I think it might be time for me to start fading the Titans and maybe start backing the Patriots. I hate to admit it. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, part of this pick was principle that I really just didn't want to pick the Patriots because it just makes me feel disgusting and gross. And I I was kind of kind of hate picking against them. But what they've shown this year, man, I, I don't know how – like right now, I mean, they may be the best team in the AFC. 
Yeah, they very well might be. And I think that's more the side than feeling the Titans. If the Titans get healthier again, if they get AJ Brown back, they could be better because he is that good of a wide receiver. But I think, yeah, you, you, I started getting new England credit two weeks ago. You got to start giving them credit now. Yeah, it's true. I, I do. I mean, I don't really have a, I don't really have a choice now. So got yeah, it. moving along. We had Philly heading to the New York Giants. Philly was favored by three and a half. We were both on that side, and the Giants win 13-7. Jalen Hurts. So bad. 129 yards, three interceptions. So bad. Danny Dimes, not great either. 202 yards and a touchdown. This game was horrible. But Jalen Hurts hurt his ankle. He can't run. We know he can't throw. He's a great running back at the QB position. Not a very good thrower. Man, so disappointing, too. Starting uh, starting Devonta Smith this week at Fantasy Football. Um, <clears throat> just couldn't get any targets on him whatsoever. And, I mean, holy smokes, man. I This is another one of those games where I'm like, there's no reason that this should have gone the wrong way. There's no reason this should have gone the wrong way other than the fact that they just they just did no-show. They just absolutely no-showed. And the Giants have been known for this, man. They They – they come into games, which frankly, you know, I, I, I would say they didn't really have any chance, like not chance. They didn't have any reason to deserve to win, and they just, they just play just good enough to get a dub. Like it's just, it's just so classic. Yeah, and I mean, we know the Giants' defense should be better than they've been this year, and I think this was a little bit of that, us seeing that. So it's nice to see that a bit. But yeah, I mean, we don't think Philly's that good. We don't think the Giants are that good. We don't think that division's that good. So No, there's a reason why it's the NFC least. So, and I still think that stands. Yeah, moving along into the next game, we had Pittsburgh heading to Cincy. Cincy was favored by four and a half. And wow, 41 to 10 for the Bengals. Joe Mixon ran all over Pittsburgh, which I didn't see. This offense is absolutely horrendous. Big Ben's done. It's time to move on. It, uh, it was time to move on last year. It was time to move on games ago. Um, I was on the Bengals in this game, I believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I my, my again, my take, this game I actually learned because I bet against the Bengals a few weeks ago coming off their vie when they were playing. I think it was the Lions they were playing. And I learned my lesson that these guys can put up a bunch of points. Um and and an offense and you know so even if the, the defense did slow them down they still scored you know 24 points i did not think that the steelers were going to do anything because uh, yeah as you said big ben is an absolute disaster and when he can't throw the ball you're able to uh, really jam up naji harris and yep Bengals win yeah moving along tampa bay headed to indy tampa bay favored by three here they win at 38 31 they probably shouldn't have won this game. Indy probably should have won this game, but Tampa pulls it out. Big game by playoff Lenny. Yeah, that was really annoying as well in fantasy, not going to lie to you. It was super annoying. Like, Fernet just had himself an absolute monster of a game, um, which is, you know, kind of a nice break for 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 Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, they get the cover. Um, I, you know, I, I – we assume that they would get the cover on this one. Uh, if surprisingly, though, you know, the Colts actually coming off of the big win they had the week before um, actually showed up. So in a spot where it was supposed to be a letdown spot for them, they actually, you know, had a little bit more fight than I really thought they would. Uh, but at the end of the day, Bucks still got the cover. Um, but the Colts team is still continuing. Like, they're still continuing to surprise me a little bit. 
right? When you're in that letdown spot, you still put up that amount of fight. Bodes well for the future and in, uh, in the playoffs. Yep, moving right along, we had the LA Chargers heading to Denver. LA was favored by two points, two and a half points here, and they get beat by this scrappy Broncos team. 28-13, Justin Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert had a good yardage game again, throws for a ton. I mean, you're going to throw for a ton when you're down big. But again, I don't know how good he really was, but I don't know what to think of this Broncos team. They've now beat the Cowboys and Chargers in two of their last three games which are decent wins, but then they've had some bad losses, getting crushed by the Eagles, losing to the Browns, losing to the Raiders. I have no idea what to think of this Broncos team. Can I flip this around on you? I more, yep. so, I, I more so don't know what to think about this Chargers team. No, I'm lost on basically this entire division now. Because I don't I, know who's good like, or bad. In like, this. not going to lie, the survivor pool that I'm in, it wrapped up in week 10 or week 11. And I went out in the first uh, in the first section of that survivor pool on the Chargers, and then I was making a pick in this survivor pool. I had to pick the Bills on Thursday. I was already through. Uh, my wife's coworker wanted to make a pick, and she needed some help. So I said, "Oh yeah, the Chargers shouldn't have a t- uh, big problem." And she goes out on the Chargers in a survivor pool. So the moral of the story right now is don't pick Chargers in a survivor pool because that's just a disaster waiting to happen. But man, they just they they're just. The Chargers may be the most inconsistent team in the NFL where some games they absolutely look dynamite and they cannot be stopped. Their offense cannot be stopped. And then other games they look like absolute dog shit. And the dog shit part of their uh, of this flux is becoming uh, – it's happening more and more as the season drags on. Yeah, I just – I don't understand how this offense isn't so good every game. You look at – Everyone thinks Herbert's a top five quarterback. You have Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams, and you have Austin Eckler. Like, how can this offense be bad in games? I just don't get it, but uh, I don't really understand this division at all. So, well, speaking of teams that are, uh, this is what I want to get to next. Speaking of teams that I can't believe their offense isn't this good every game, the LA Rams, dude. The LA Rams. What is happening? Yeah. I mean, they put up 28 points against one of the top defenses in the league. They are also one of the top defenses in the league and gave up 36. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say to that, but their offense actually put up points here. Uh, they they were favored by one going to Green Bay. They lose 36-28. It's just a kind of messy game overall from the Rams. They got to figure it out and figure it out quick. Their, their, their defense I'm shocked with. At the start of the season, I was extremely high on them, and they, they added – They've added pieces like Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller is who they added. And then they've got Aaron Donald. Jalen Ramsey's been there for a while. Well, I know that. No, Vaughn Miller is who they added. Sorry, the run on sentence there was wrong. They have Jalen Ramsey. They added Vaughn Miller and they have Aaron Donald. There's no reason why this defense shouldn't be the best in the league. And yet every week they prove that they're not. Have they won a game with Odell, by the way? No. Woof. The curse continues. I think part of the issue with their offense, and I know people argue Odell's that good of a talent, is Odell doesn't do the same things that Robert Woods does. He doesn't bring the same element. You can argue that Odell's better or Woods is better or whatever, but that just changes the offense with Robert Woods being out. He rushes. He does all these weird things. Like He's a super gadget guy who can do all these different things where Odell doesn't do that, so it's changing your offense a ton just not having Robert Woods there. Their defense, yeah, you have exceptional pieces you have three really good players the rest of their defense has a lot of holes in it especially their secondary 
you can throw to the other side, no problem. Whatever side Ramsey's on, you just or not on, you just throw to that side, and you can be successful. So their defense does have a lot of holes. They have some really good players, but they got to figure out a lot, and they got to figure out a lot quick. I think they went like they used to be the favorites in the NFC, and now I'm not. Now I don't know. Like, who is the favorite in the NFC right now? The Packers, the Bucks, the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it's those three teams are kind of standing above the rest as the Cards, Packs, and Bucks. Those three teams stand above the rest of them right now. As we kind of know, they're all three good teams. Everybody else, I'm really unsure of, and we know the Lions are bad. But yeah. everybody else, I'm like, I don't really know. No idea. The playoff picture is going to be wild. So, yeah, moving into the last 4 p.m. game, we had Minnesota heading to San Fran. San Fran favored by three. They win the game, 34-26. I mean, it's still a one-possession game, and that's all Minnesota does. Yeah, I mean, this is on the, the very highest extent of a one-possession game, but, um, man, I just – this 49ers team just keeps putting up really impressive wins. Um, Elijah Mitchell had a nice game. Uh, Debo Samuel had a nice game before he got hurt. Uh, and that's, again, a big fantasy downer for somebody who's injury-ravaged like myself where you keep losing the best players on your team. Uh, but Hey, I mean, you know, yeah, what? they're getting, they were getting really good production from their running backs. Cause Debo Samuel has more yards and more touches as a running back than he does a wide receiver. Oh, I know he's been games. like, he's been unbelievable. And I, I think it's, I do find it interesting that they're, they're trying to run this. I mean, quarter Patterson for Atlanta has that RB wide receiver designation, by the way, he wants to play safety this week, which is a wild thing to talk about. Um, but, I mean, I'm surprised more teams haven't tried this more, right? Where you have a guy who's super speedy. Just give him the ball a, a couple times and see what can happen. I don't know. It's not a not a terrible plan. Uh, I don't think everybody has the ability to be successful like that. But, um, obviously, Debo does. He's out one to two weeks with a groin injury. So, uh, obviously, that's going to affect the 49ers moving forward and definitely something to look at in terms of uh, handicapping uh, their next game. Yeah, I mean, you just got to start. How much I don't want to give the San Fran credit, you got to start. And I really want to see them losing games because the Finns have their first-round pick, but they keep winning games, and they look good. I mean, it's looking like Seattle's definitely the worst in that division. Arizona's definitely the best. And the other two, I really don't know, which kind of shocks me in that division. But we're going to get to Seattle. Moving along, the Sunday nighter, what a game. Cleveland went to Baltimore. Baltimore was favored by three and a half. They got the cover 16 to 10. This was, this was horrible. Lamar Jackson this is not a good four interceptions. And you all, I keep going back to fantasy because every game that was a disaster was like the ultimate disaster. Like Lamar Jackson, whatever had, you know, should have had probably frick. I don't even know how many points should have had like 25 or something, but no, he had four interceptions with his minus eight points. Like, just an absolute dumpster fire of a game. Um, you know, I do feel like Baltimore probably deserved to win this game and probably should have won by more. But, man, I can't even give credit to the Browns' defense because Lamar just threw some terrible picks. Yeah, this was just a horrible week for running backs trying to play quarterback. Jalen Hurts was bad. Lamar was bad. Uh, I mean, I just, yeah, I just don't know what to think of this division either. Like, every team looks really good one week and then looks messy the next week. You got to give the Ravens credit because they're finding ways to win every week. They're not playing really good football, but they're getting the job done. So you got to start giving them a little more credit. And they're sitting as the number one seed in the AFC somehow, which is shocking because watching them, you're like, are they really good? I don't think so. But they find ways to win games. 
Well, and, and I do think they have a higher potential as well. And I think the Browns are in desperate need of, man, desperate need of a quarterback change first and foremost, and then another desperate need of Kareem Hunt to be playing at full capacity because uh, they just do not have – they just do not have the weapons right now. A baker cannot throw the ball, and it, it's they, they just don't have much going for him. No, I mean, Baker is an average, capable quarterback when healthy in a good offense and a good scheme. Him injured if you can't run the ball is just horrible, and he's horrible right now. They have the highest-paid backup in the league. they got to start using Case Keenum. They can't keep doing with Baker. And they have a big decision this offseason because Baker's contract's up. And do you really want to pay this guy? I don't really think so. But what are your other options? So it's true. It's going to be tough for them. Moving into the last game, the Monday nighter, we had Seattle heading to Washington. This game kept going back and forth, but Washington was favored by one when we picked it. Washington football team wins 17-15. Oh, man, Russ did not cook. This is a game where it's really awkward. Because you look at the stat line, I didn't watch the game at all. Russ throws for 247, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. You're like, that was fine. Like, Russ must have had a decent game. But everyone I've heard from who watched the game, he was missing wide open guys. He was horrible. He was not good at all. So this is where the stat lines do not do something justice. Man, and I I put this out in our one of our group chats. I was like, man, Russ is bad. And you said that you're like, I do stats look good. I'm like, no, man. Like you watching this cat, like he absolutely was missing guys left, right, and center, couldn't get the ball downfield. DK Metcalf had his first reception with like 30 seconds or whatever, 40 a minute to go in the game. Like, absolutely awful. Like, just he just didn't target him. And and by the way, DK was open a lot. Like, Russ's vision just was not there. He was forcing it into spots he, he probably shouldn't have. Uh, had a really late touchdown to a wide-open receiver at the end, which accounted for a big chunk of his yards in the one touchdown on blown coverage by Washington. Um, but Heineke looked uh, looked decent. Uh, Washington bent, did not break. Now, they do need to practice their onside kicks because they basically had, they lost an onside kick. Seattle recovered it, but there was an illegal formation penalty. And uh, then they kicked it. Uh, Seattle kicked it again, and Washington almost lost that one as well. Uh, so definitely practice this week. They need to work on their onside kick. I still don't. I still don't buy this Washington team. Um, people are saying, "Well, they've won some games in a row," and I'm like, "Man, I don't, this Seattle team is definitely not what they right now. They are not what they used to be, despite their weapons, because Russ is not cooking. So I am not giving the credit to Washington football team." I think they're okay. They've been playing better than they did at the start of the season. I'm still not buying them, though. Yeah, I think Washington is a decent team. I like them before the year. I like this defense a lot. They're missing Chase Young, but they're finding ways to win. And credit where credit's due when you're finding ways to win. Seattle's just a mess, and a lot of the blame has to go to Pete Carroll, as well as Russ right now, but everybody on this roster. Alex Collins is horrible. He is a terrible running back in the NFL here. He's averaging like two yards per carry. They keep trying to run him over and over again. They run the least amount of offensive plays in the league. When you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, two of the top 15 wide receivers in the league, two of the top 20 for sure, like you have this offense and you're going to keep just running the ball with horrible running backs up the middle like you and running the least amount of plays in the NFL significantly doesn't make any sense. I know Russ is struggling. It sounds like talking to or hearing from a bunch of QB experts that that finger does make a big difference on accuracy. It's kind of your guiding finger. So if it's not 100%, that maybe makes up for some of the reasoning. But 
I mean, he hasn't been good enough, but uh, I think a lot of the blame has to go to Pete Carroll as well. I don't think they've put him in a good spot, but uh, Russ, maybe if he's not healthy, he shouldn't have came back as early, but that's just pride. That's Russ, so who knows? Compete. It's compete. It's passion. You want to be with your teammates. I get it. Uh, news today, the Seahawks signed Adrian Peterson to their um, practice squad roster. More than likely, this guy's going to get elevated to full roster, my guess is, by their next game. Um and this will be, what, the third time this has happened to AP this year? Plays a couple games, gets released. I mean, he can't be any worse than Collins, can he? Yeah, I think it was only the second time with Tennessee he was with. He wasn't signed early in the year. But, yeah, he can't be worse than Collins. Again, Adrian Peterson showed, especially red zone, he can still be a really good running back. He doesn't have the burst and the speed like he used to, like in the middle of the field. But red zone and stuff, he finds a way to get three or four yards. No problem. So it's got to be an upgrade. You got to try different things. So if bringing in one of the best running backs we've seen in the last 15 years is trying something else, why not try it? Because Alex Collins is clearly not working. Why not indeed? All right. That is our uh, week 12 recap. We got week 13 this week and we have a doozy game Thursday night. I don't even know what to call it. It'll be an interesting game Thursday night. Uh, yeah, who knows what to think of it. It should be a little more interesting than New Orleans' last couple games. We have Dallas heading to New Orleans. Dallas favored by four and a half. New Orleans sounds like Ingram. Uh, Ingram's going to be back for sure. He's off the injury report. Taysom Hill is going to start, and it sounds like Camaro will play. All signs pointing to him. He was limited in practice all week, so that's good. Uh, Dallas, Amari Cooper might be out. They're missing Mike McCarthy. No head coach this game, so... They're kind of a bit of a mess. What's the line on this game? Four and a half for Dallas. Ooh. Well, I I would like to know, and this is the thing, I would like to know for sure who's playing and who's not playing. Um, I mean, the Saints are at home coming off a, just an ass-kicking by the Bills last week, which was – you know, obviously not the nicest, not the nicest thing for them for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, like Dallas should be winning this game, but I, I just, I, I just question, I question the health of Zeke. I question, you know, again, if, if Amari Cooper is playing great, if not, I, I'm just not sure. I, I'm like, I don't think Dak looked that good, and this New Orleans defense can be good. We have seen them have spurts of being good. Uh, I'm inclined to take the Saints plus four and a half at home. Going against my yeah. Dallas pitch. I'm all over the Saints in this game. I actually think the Saints have a chance at winning this game. They're coming off an embarrassing loss to the Bills where their offense was horrible. You're getting – Taysom Hill has proved he can be an okay quarterback. You're getting Ingram back who look, has looked really good since coming back to New Orleans. Your sounds like Camaro's going to play. Again, top five running back, went healthy in the league. And this defense is good. Their offense has put them in horrible spots the last few weeks. But this defense is good. They've been able to shut down good teams this year. Uh, unhealthy Dallas team. I think they'll be able to shut uh, shut them down. And I think it's just going to be a bounce back game. They were embarrassed on Thanksgiving. They're back home again this week. I think they're just going to come out hard and cover this and possibly win this football game. I would like to comment. There is an angle too. I mean, if you look, um, I mean, the Cowboys, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're coming kind of off a heartbreaker game. Like you could, you could argue that this is a letdown spot for them losing by three uh, at home. Then they get on the road with that Thanksgiving hangover. And now I think the saints is still the play here. I think the saints motivation is definitely still the play. 
the Cowboys should be motivated to win. But like, yeah, you're missing. You're possibly missing a couple key important people, and then you're missing your head coach. He wasn't around all week because of COVID. So well, maybe that'll help me, him. Yeah, it could. You never know. So anyway, all right. Well, there you go. There's our pick for Thursday night. Uh, tune into our uh, over six NFL picks week thirteen uh, full preview pod picks edition uh, coming out later this week. Uh, apologies for uh, the uh, error last week, which got us up on Saturday, but still prior to game time. So hopefully uh, you guys got the listen down on that. Uh, Cam, anything else you want to add before we sign it off? Nope. I'm just looking forward to another week and another Thursday nighter. Yes, sir. And I need to bounce back this week. So, the, you know, I said that last week, but now I'm in like the double letdown spot. Uh, sorry, I had two two letdowns, so now I'm in this spot where it's I'm a close your eyes special this week. I am 100 percent a close your eyes special, so we will see how it goes. You can follow us on Twitter at over six sports at Zach Burke over six and at C Charlton Turf. And for the over six sports podcast, I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, Cameron. Let's go Dolphins again, Charlton. The Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Thank you for listening. We will chat with you later this week.